94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. The Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Woo. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making the time as you have. Uh, just about every Friday for about a year now. We really appreciate it. Uh, we want to go straight to talking about these big things that are coming. I know on Monday, uh, Hawaii is about to go wide open pretty much on vaccine eligibility. Um, can you tell us whether Hawaii is ready for this and what people should do if they want to sign up? We're definitely ready. And, and thank you for asking uh, for, to sign up what people should do. And we are wide open. Anyone can, anyone that is, can sign up anywhere in the state. If they are uh, over 16, uh, so now we go to the full state that is eligible to get a shot, 16 to 18 for Pfizer. All the other uh, vaccines, well, Pfizer and Moderna for 18 and up, can sign up at HawaiiCOVID19.com or at CVS or Walgreens or Safeway and so on. Now, are we ready? Well, a lot of people heard, and it was an obvious concern, that we're not going to give for a period of time at least the Johnson Johnson but what you do need to understand is we weren't giving very much of that at all. We had only given 17,000 shots total. No one's had a problem with it here in Hawaii, to my knowledge. Uh, 17,000 out of 1 million shots, that was 1.7% of our total number of shots was the Johnson Johnson. And that's why it won't slow us down significantly. It would probably take us about an extra 10 days to two weeks to get to full herd immunity without Johnson & Johnson. If we do end up seeing Johnson & Johnson cleared for use as they study it for the next 10 days and review all of the cases and all of the concerns, uh, then it will get us there a little faster. But it took us four months exactly to the day to get past a million shots. It'll take us more like two and a half months to do the next million shots, which will essentially finish off the state. So I'm confident we will do this efficiently, and I'm really excited that we won't have this question, am I or am I not eligible now to get a shot? Everyone across the whole country, in fact, can go sign up. And we're excited to see that happen because we want to end the COVID crisis. Sir, as a follow-up to that, what kind of um, pushback or vaccine hesitancy are you seeing here in Hawaii now? Well, it's not something new. It's not a new phenomenon. Of it's course. just that the first million shots were easier to give because there was at least half a million people that were eager to get vaccinated. The next 250,000 people will just be a little bit more on the fence or were younger and therefore weren't eligible yet. So they couldn't sign up until this coming Monday. And then the last 250,000 people to get vaccinated will be the people that had the most, have the most or had the most resistance. And that's the case, like everything, it's on a bell curve really. And when you're in the early part of an, an adventure like this, an, an initiative that covers the whole state or the whole country, there's always early adopters and people who just have to do something. So, each and every day that passes, there are just fewer people that are, number one, un, you know, unvaccinated. And two, there's more people that have waited. And imagine if you are a kupuna now today, a 75-year-old or 77-year-old that still isn't vaccinated. There's probably a reason that you chose not to get vaccinated because you've had four or five months to do it. So that's what people are expressing when they talk about vaccine hesitancy but you will likely see a pretty big surge in interest in vaccinations for the next three to four weeks because all those individuals on Oahu that are under 50 are going to be really going to sign up uh, aggressively. In fact, we only had one week this last week where it was 50 to 60, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a pretty short time. I think that you're going to see a lot of vaccines given between April 19th 
and June 1st. My guess is we will see probably about an average of 12 to 13,000 minimum shots a day times 40 days. So that's another 500,000 shots, I would guess, in the next 40, 41 days. That will take us really close to, uh, to herd immunity. We'll start, we'll start talking about it a lot more then. And that was a projection that I was hopeful uh, we would see. We really want to see that kind of number because the, the sooner we get to somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million shots in arms in the state, you can start imagining that there should not be much spread of the virus. And then there's also other herd immunity that happens, plus immunity from the individuals, you know, the, the 30,000 or so individuals that have had COVID, uh, myself included. So you really start getting to a place where you can back off a little bit of some of the restrictions. And um, that's why we're working on the safe travels pass. That's why we're seeing schools open and sports starting to open. Uh, those are all a reflection of us being safer and more vaccinated. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, so compare what's happening with us with what's happening on the mainland, because they're talking about these waves that are happening again of infections. Sure. So it, it really depends on where you are. It's, it's clear that states that pulled away from their mask mandate earlier and are allowing large gatherings are still seeing spread. And the case counts have, have ranged between about 60 and, and 80,000 cases per day on the mainland or actually nationally, we do contribute in a very small number to that total uh, every day. So there is still spread. We still have only vaccinated closer to a third of our of our people. So it's not 70% yet or anything like that. So there's still two thirds of the people that just don't have any immunity. And if you, you know, let your guard down, if people have gatherings because they feel a sense of safety, even if they're not vaccinated, that's when you're going to see spread. It's, it's not a huge number that's completely safe yet. Six weeks from now, the script will have flipped and we will be much safer as a nation. You should certainly see the counts drop down into the under 20,000 number. I know that Dr. Fauci would like to see it be under 10,000 before he feels a sense that we're really in the clear. Heard that on a couple of different occasions. Uh, from, my, from my standpoint, I think that we're going to be seeing case counts way lower, like in the 20s or 30s statewide, uh, once we get into June. And that, you know, that's going to be such a low count that it will be, you know, it'll be sensible to start, you know, start letting some of the restrictions fade away. Certainly, we're going to get to the place where we can allow for travel in our island with a vaccination without any other hassle. Then we'll come. Then we'll come travel from the mainland as long as people are vaccinated without having to do too much in the way of testing. And just you know, the world keeps turning. The sky is not falling. Here we are, six months into the safe travels program, by the way, and it, it you know it worked. We had 2.5 million travelers over those six months. The first six months ended yesterday, and we've not seen a travel-related surge. So it can be managed, and that's what we're doing. But I think a lot of people are breathing a sigh of relief when they get their shot. I know the, the side effects hurt sometimes, and I really feel for you, Esme, having had side <laughs> effects. But that also means that you developed an immune response without a question. And before I let this, this, this linger, if, if people are thinking, because they hear me right now saying, oh, I didn't have much side effects. Did I not get immune? No, you got immunity. That is very different from person to person. You just can't tell. I had four hours of side effects. I did not have two days like some people, but I've demonstrated clear antibodies. And so 
I think that um, as long as you get both of your shots plus 14 days, you can expect 19 times out of 20 that you're immune from uh, catching COVID. All right. Thank you. I wanted to ask you to update our listeners because we were reporting earlier about the timeline for the vaccine passport program pushed back slightly by a couple of weeks. We were talking a moment about the surges on the mainland. I'm curious if that was part of the considerations in pushing the vaccine passport timeline backward a little bit, Um, you know, whether the the supply of um, uh, vaccines here or the mainland surges or what exactly is the holdup, the reason that uh, we're looking at mid-May for the start of inner island vaccine passport program uh as opposed to the beginning of may and then of course we're looking at mid to late june for mainland travel uh, no it, it had nothing to do actually with the cases on the mainland okay. what it really had to do with the uh the governor wanted to make sure that everyone could find a way if they wanted to use this process to have their vaccine cards available some people didn't keep them others lost them other people washed them in their jeans. He wanted to make sure that some of the small details were dealt with. The guy was very meticulous on these kind of things. I think uh, we are fine to just use a, a picture of it. So let me advise everybody to do one thing right now. If you have been vaccinated, take a photograph of your of the front of your vaccine card, please, or that BAM sheet that they gave you, which is the same information. We will use that picture to upload into the Safe Travels app when you travel inner island so that you can do it. And then you'll also show it on arrival, but make sure you have a copy of it because we God wanted people to have a copy of it. And that set me off on a 36 hour odyssey to make sure that every person who's given the shots will give people replacement cards, which they will. By the way, if you need a replacement card, the, the formal advice that I'm giving you right now and the state will give is you contact the provider that gave you your shots. They will replace your card if you don't have it you've lost it, whatever. Do that because you want to have that available to you. Now, we're not going to discriminate against anyone. If people don't want to get vaccinated, but they still want to travel, it's totally fine. Of course, you're probably just going to have to go through the safe travel rules, which is to get a pretest if you're, you know, if you're traveling over to the neighbor islands. But don't feel that anyone's trying to discriminate. We're just trying to make one more option available so that we can prevent the spread of COVID when there are travelers, including ourselves, between the mainland or even further away. So that's what the Gov was talking about. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I like to do things uh, a little bit more quickly. Once I set my mind to something, this is the ER doc in me, within about 30 seconds, I will calculate the risk and move forward. And then if it has to be adjusted later, I understand that that's just the reality. But it's not to say that my approach is better than the governor's or other people's. Some people like to lay out the whole plan and do all that they can to see that there's a foolproof result. And in this particular case, that meant uh, a little bit later. The reason we're starting very likely on the 11th, which is a Tuesday, is because there are far fewer travelers on Tuesdays. It will give the, uh, the people at the airports who have to do the job uh, more capacity to have a sane day when we roll it out. It really meant that we had to choose between May 4th and 11th. And we've come this far. We've now done, like I said earlier, six months of safe travels. It's working very well. The case counts have not been significant for spread from travel. But this is yet another step in the right direction. And I think we also wanted to reward all of society for getting toward herd immunity. And for those who got the vaccine, it's just a convenience. If you simply can't get it or you don't want it, we've offered a lot of exceptions for for extenuating circumstances 
and we will continue to use the safe travels test to make sure that people are negative and they can travel. But all these are what go on in the conversations that we have. I have to tell you, I've, I've actually explained a lot more of the kind of the sausage making of policy than I ever expected to on radio and TV. But it turns <laughs> out people were very interested in it uh, going through a crisis. That's why I go through the numbers each day. I, I really respect people's intelligence, and I think that they can make their own minds up about how much risk we have. So when I say the positivity rate is 1.58%, the cases are 98, and the average is 82.6, individuals out there that are on the, you're listening to your show or on, you know, in their dining rooms watching the news, they can make up their own mind about what their commitment to safety is. And I think we're a better society for that. In this particular case, this is where the safe travel, by the way, we're calling it a safe travel exception, which means you will have an exception from the safe travel rules. It's not actually a uh, vaccination passport because that implies you can't travel to another country or something. Though I think a lot of the world is going to try to prevent another wave of COVID in 2021, 22, 23, and they may ask for vaccination records, just like they have for the last hundred years on things like yellow fever or people get vaccinated for other diseases because we don't want to see those things spread. So people get these cards, they get vaccination uh, cards for going to school, to public school. It prevents spread of things like meningitis at schools, which is very lethal and cause a lot of terrible damage. So this is an extension of that. And it's really a function of us having a world in which we have over 7 billion people living together. And so we're trying to be smart about it. But I understand both sides of the argument. All right. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Got a question off of Facebook. I think you actually kind of answered this a little bit. Uh, my daughter is going to online classes for college. We'll be going back physically to mainland college. Uh, vac- when will vaccination be available for college students? Yes, I, I really appreciate that. So uh, Monday they will be available for her or him and everyone, and they should sign up. And my recommendation right now would be the simplest sign up. Of course, you can go to HawaiiCOVID19.com and go to one of our large pods. They've been fantastic. The HPH pod at Pier 2, the Queens pod over at, you know, at the, um, at the Blaisdale. I mean, these are amazing efforts that they've done. But going to your local pharmacy, CVS, Walgreens, Safeway, other places, is so easy right now because it's near you. They have a lot of extra slots. They got a lot of, uh, a lot of vaccine from the federal program. That's probably the easiest uh, way to do it at this moment. And if your college kid happens to be some brainy kid and started college at 17, that also is available. You just have to get the Pfizer vaccine because the Pfizer shot is allowed for those who are uh, 16 and up. We also are expecting approval for the vaccinations sometime in the next month or so to allow to go down to age 12, at least for Pfizer and probably Moderna will, I would guess, get to that space also. And again, that's going to be a judgment call between families and their children. I'm a a firm believer that vaccinations uh, make for a better society as long as they're well studied, vetted, and um, we still respect those who don't want to get them. And so that college thing is very important because I think to get back to a normal experience, which is critical for kids who are in college, they need to be on campus. And and I hope that every campus will be wide open uh, come fall semester. Because, heck, we parents are paying a lot for that, and I think that that's part of the deal. We want kids to get that experience. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor. Since we're in the middle of listener questions, um, Rie is asking about what about a vaccine passport for international travel? 
When will that happen? Great. That's a great question. So uh, it's to be determined on our, you know, so TBD on our plan. My expectation, although I, you know, I'm awaiting the final result of the discussion that General Hara will have with with Gov. We spent a lot of time working on this this last 72 hours and more. Uh, It looks like it's May 11th, very likely for our inner island travel. It's looking very much like about four to six weeks later for mainland travel. I would not be surprised if it coincides with either right at or shortly after the 4th of July weekend. And then I think it is going to be dependent a little bit on how the the case counts and surge and variants are going in Europe and in other parts of the world. And when they open up for travel, period, like Japan, Korea, and so on. So if I had to venture a guess, and and please understand this really is a bit of guesswork at this point, it's May 11th for us as residents of the state or anyone moving in and around uh, inter-county travel, inter-island travel. I think it is very likely something like uh, July 6th. For mainland travel, although please don't take that to the bank until we've seen a little bit more data and it's working well. And then probably a month or so later, at least, uh, when we see exactly what the national, the international uh, landscape is. Remember, a lot of those countries where people are traveling, traveling from are not doing very well with their vaccination program. And that means that there's a lot of virus that's spreading and replicating. So that creates variants. It creates emerging strains that are a problem. And we don't really trust yet that they have a good control over what's going on. Like in countries uh, such as Brazil, terrible. It's been terrible there. Uh, Beautiful people, terrible response to COVID. So I hope that we are by the fall seeing seamless travel from anywhere as long as people have been vaccinated. Uh, Otherwise, they still will be able to do the pre-travel test. We're not going to change that. So even until we get the safe travels exception, as you as you've called it, the vaccination passport uh, up and running from the mainland, we'll still have the same program. You know, yesterday at six months, as I said before, we had the six month anniversary of the safe travels program. And we've had two point five million travelers uh, all in coming to the state of Hawaii, of which one point eight eight million of those were visitors. And then the other seven hundred thousand or so were us returning or traveling to see our loved ones in the mainland. So it's working really well. I know people are eager to just use this vaccine as their way to get back to normal, but normal is not so normal on the um, international front just yet. Okay, thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Appreciate that. You know, earlier this week we were um, discussing the Johnson & Johnson pause. Um, is there a response sure. you have for theorists who say that the pause is evidence the vaccines aren't safe? Uh, no. It, it, this is science. This is not baloney. I mean, we're not making baloney sandwiches. We're making a vaccine that that is a complicated biologic process that requires rigorous research. Six out of 6.5 million is actually a very good uh, profile of a concern. That's less than one in a million individuals suffered the side effect, although it is tragic when we see any problem. I will tell you this, though. Six out of 6.5 million, of which one individual died and, and one individual had a severe consequence from the clot, is far lower than 125 per million deaths that were occurring from COVID in that exact same cohort, people that were 18 to 48. So actually, the vaccine has an infinitely smaller uh, risk than COVID does, but this is a choice. And we can apply science and study things we do. 
So as to conspiracy theory, I have little time for that because really that is a, um, it's a complicated thing. I do respect other people's opinions on these matters uh, very much, but I don't respect fear mongering or um, people just taking advantage of false arguments. And that's usually what goes on. Uh, It's a difficult thing. And again, I respect people. They don't want to take the vaccine. That's totally okay. But they shouldn't try to convince or um, scare others to not take it. It should be science driven. So I would say this. The data has to always reflect safety. And I'm as skeptical as most people are about these, you know, these complicated uh, interventions. I don't like a lot of medications that are used. I, as a physician, don't even prescribe a lot of medication if I'm not completely certain someone needs it and it's safe. Uh, But, you know, the Pfizer vaccine is good. The Moderna vaccine is good. The Johnson Johnson vaccine is very likely to be found to be safe, uh, more than safe enough for people to take. They probably will refine their recommendations a little bit more so that people who have clotting disorders, you know, steer clear of it. It will likely be an extremely overly cautious position, but that's okay too. I don't like anyone taking extra risk when there are other options. And if there are other options that are safer, those are the ones that I'm going to promote. We're talking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Um, Sir, I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about um, this statement that the governor made this week that he expects all of Hawaii schools to be fully open for in-person learning this fall. And I'm wondering, you know, right now we've got this mix of, you know, some schools being in person, some are hybrid, some are virtual. Is uh, this projection for fall all, you know, having all schools completely open, all in person, is that realistic? Is that something that educators can plan for and count on right now as well as parents of course hmm. and kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> my son my son everybody? is like everybody. my son is like oh please oh please <laughs> the answer both is yes and needs to be yes uh, the um the impact on my two children has been significant as it has been on you know the hundreds of thousands of families that have a, a child in our public schools uh, we love our public school for Sam, but he simply did not get enough education this year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And we've had to supplement it very significantly. He has a wonderful teacher, but you can only do so much over uh, computer and iPads and this and that. And so we will be safe. We honestly are safe enough now based on our rates, as long as our educators and all of their support team uh, are vaccinated and are safe. We're not seeing significant spread. Uh, my daughter, Maya, who is at a different school, she's at a, she's at a private school. Sammy's at a public school. Uh, they've not missed a beat. They did have extra resources, which, of course, makes it easier to do more tests and masking and, and certain safety measures. It's, some would say, an unfair advantage. And I think it is an unfair advantage. It's just a commitment and, the, you know, it's an investment that we made because we were, pub- were big public school fans. And our kids and Jamie and I have gone through public school I went totally to public school, but sometimes you make that choice. There's extra resources and they did extra stuff, but every public school should have that opportunity. And that's why we accelerated the vaccination program for our teachers and the support team. And by honestly, by June 1st, almost all of the state will be vaccinated by July 1st. There should be no excuse that anyone who wants a shot hasn't gotten it. In fact, a pair of shots. And that means when school's starting again, uh, whether it's, uh, late August, late July or early August, there'd be no reason not to do it. And I think we will still ask 
children in enclosed school classrooms to wear masks. We'll still be safe for all of our adults. Kids will probably be offered vaccinations age 12 to 16 by then. That's a different question, perhaps for a different show or a different day. But all of these things mean the answer has got to be yes, that we educate our kids. Because the, the negative effect of not and having some cases, some small number of COVID cases amongst our keiki is vastly outweighed in value by getting them an education. All right. Thank you. I have one last quick question about COVID long haulers. We've been discussing this now and again on our show. Um, Hawaii is at 31,000 plus cases now. And I'm curious how many of them have been, uh, you know, how many of them have been long haulers? In other words, people who are been suffering uh, with COVID-19 symptoms. We hear so much about we got the number of cases and we get the number of deaths. And here are these people in the gray area in between that we don't hear about very much. Do you have any sense of how many long haulers we have in Hawaii? And if that's something that the state is looking to try to address? Yes. In fact, we already realized that people who are, quote, long haulers or having chronic disease associated with COVID. They are somewhere between 10 and 30 percent of the cases that have occurred. Uh, the, the top number is with minor symptoms. The lowest number is for more severe symptoms, especially kind of cloudy cognition, having trouble with clear thought or severe extreme fatigue and not able to really um, function well. That's kind of a chronic fatigue syndrome scenario, which has always been linked in some ways to viruses, we feel. Sure, it is It is a big problem with any disease that's now affected, well, in our case, 31,000 people. So that's, you know, something like about 2% of our population. Uh, it's a real situation for the world and for Hawaii. So I think that we will see a lot of people working in the science of it. It's both a primary care problem and a neurology problem. And the tough part is there's not really a lot of treatment for the post effects of viruses. Very hard. We saw that in the past with post-polio syndrome. Physical therapy helped. There are a lot of uh, other illnesses like Guillain-Barre syndrome caused by a virus and then an immune response, which leaves people sometimes for many months, if not years, with some side effects or some disability. In this case, hopefully it will be minimal as far as the severity of the symptoms, but unfortunately it's a lot of people. And it all comes back full circle to why I recommend that people get vaccinated. You're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for that other, say, 50, 60, 70-year-old person that could possibly catch COVID from you and then suffer a severe case and be down for a long time. It would be very unfair to do that when all you have to do is get a, you know, a relatively benign vaccine. So please consider that. That's part of all being a, a part of one loving ohana here in Hawaii. And I really think think and feel very strongly that this is our value you know our value is we care for one another and in the in the context of a global pandemic that means either wearing a mask and not spreading the virus or both getting vaccinated and wearing a mask and waiting this thing out we're really in the final uh throes of it the end game is near as i shared with you a couple you know a couple months ago we were going to get quickly to a million and here we are we're here on Friday, the 16th of April, uh, just four months into the process, and we vaccinate over a million shots. And in the next six weeks, we'll get to two million shots. And I think we'll have a lot fewer of these tragic stories where someone had, you know, a terrible outcome from COVID. So please, uh, please consider that, everyone, as we're, you know, as we're finishing this disease off. Meanwhile, we will turn 
a lot of our attention to bringing back normalcy so that we can have our jobs and schools, like you mentioned, and just so many of the most important things in life, those gatherings that we treasure. All right. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us. I was going to ask you if he had any final things, but he just kind of wrapped everything up right there. <laughs> With a bow. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, Lieutenant Governor, we're looking forward to uh, you stopping by since we are now all fully vaccinated. Yeah, I got Hopefully you'll be able to shop at the week. studio. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, absolutely. You, you call, call my team and, and I'll come in in person <laughs> some of these times. Uh, call, we've gotten so accustomed to this. We're vaccinated. There, we are safe to be around one another. We'll have our people, which is us, call yeah, your people. pretty much. <laughs> the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green, thank you for making the time. Thank you, sir. You bet. Have a great and safe weekend, guys.